Like him, I moved in the name of good. But the violence of my life pulled my soul towards the darkness. But I fought and freed my soul. Now I watch for others like me. Men are the ones who create evil on earth. It is the choices they make that enslave their souls to hell. This is the test. Everything we're doing is basically voluntary on behalf of people, right? Uh, state government, local government, federal government can't really, doesn't have the power to enforce stay-at-home orders. If 19 million people said, I'm, I'm going out today, uh, they would go out. The world conspiracy is in inept hands right now. Whereas prior to the early the first half of the 20th century, it was in very expert hands. But those old the old guard died off. Every, we can fight over the year when, you know, but say since the 1950s or whatever, the old guard died off. You don't have your Cecil Rhodes anymore and you don't have your Lord Kitcheners anymore, you know. So the new brats that came in to rule the system in the place of their fathers are fucking cuckoo and they're inept at running the machine. So a lot of the chaos that you're seeing is because they've lost control. They're out of control and they're nose diving. We need to know this too. And the one go-to that they main, still maintain control over us while the whole thing is out of control, what does that button do? Right? They're, they're not, they're not, they're not reining this beast in anymore as well as they did. And that, that also accounts for some of the fallout. And slightly, you know, I'm not a big believer in awakening or global awakenings or anything, but the little bit of more people that are aware of what's going on, I do concede there are some. That's also happening because the loss of control upstairs. But mm -hmm. the one thing that they still maintain is fear, right? So our modern age is an age of anxiety and also fear because fear is the mind killer. And as long as they can generate, well, this is going to be an AI controlled grid. This is going to be this. This is going to be that. Or, you know, the environment and and the Chinese and the Russians and Ukraine, they will do anything they can do to put fear into your individual mind so that you're paralyzed. Well, the money system is going to go down. You'll have a credit card. You'll be, you know, and all of this is potentially true. But there's an equal case for the possibility of bringing those things to bear as much as there is the, the theory that they can be put in place. But in what the average human being needs to do is to realize that as you're listening to Big Brother tell you about all the horrors, already these agents, you know, these Gerald Salente types, anybody telling you about the crash and they, all, you know, just look objectively at the dis, dispensing of fear and trauma. And this particular time is bad for that since, you know, the Trump era and the attacks against Mr. Trump. Sure, but don't forget that's just a little ramping up of what they've been doing since Eisenhower and before and before. Right? This is an old agenda. It's just a little bit more maximized now and out of control. They've unleashed the anarchists, as the alleged statement of Albert Pike said, right? Okay, but don't restrict that to the last five years. That's madness. These people have dispensed fear for centuries. It's one of the old Orwellian, you know, techniques. So then think about it and say, am I completely paralyzed 
you know, by the black helicopters and the satellites and the AI world that's coming and coming. And wait a minute, wait a minute, stop! Isn't fear the number one way that the Black Lodge controls me? Not through some credit card chip and the microchip and baby. Yeah. All the way along your fear of those things, and I'm not saying to not rationally be objectively aware of these potential dangers, but anyone who studied the Brotherhood for five minutes properly and sincerely knows that it is through the fear that they generate within me that they not only feed off, but control us all. So I, it's psychic now. It's psychological now. Sure, they may bring in some fucking, they may have black helicopters right over my fucking house. But more, that's not what they're feeding off. They never have. And when, a little bit of time in history when they did, they scrapped it. They went, that doesn't work. Because people will soon free themselves of that. The one thing you can't ever free yourself from is the generation of psychic fear and the feeling of we're fucked, we're done, we're done, we're done. And so they manufacture all sorts of Dr. Strangelove Frankensteinian stories about the world to come. And you just go, well, that's it. We'll be immobilized. I'll have a band and, or my cell phone and they'll know where I am and I won't be able to move and I won't be able to do it. And it's all probable, probable, probable. And all the time the victim never realizes I'm walking with fear. Fear's got me. Right. And that is the key, number one way that any demagogue controls your fucking ass but now to free myself from it it's an invisible enemy the other stuff at least you know maybe i can do something about that or move to the country or you know so the human race might rise up and might 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 but while i'm waiting for that i'm drowning in psychological terror that is the control mechanism that is the control mechanism the fear is the mind killer and that I just can't get across to people. Just doesn't get, doesn't sink in to the people in this movement at all. They're so caught up in the, the data and, uh, well, the fear. They're caught up in the fear. I see why and everything, but you know, psychologically speaking, the one thing that goads you more into their new world order is fear because that makes you impotent. That makes you, you know, uh, uh, totally, <clears throat> totally incapacitated. I hope everybody heard that. That is just, it sunk into me if it didn't sink in anybody else. I know it does for Josh. Fear is the mind killer. It's their number one weapon. They've been at it for thousands of years. They understand how you tick. They have the manuals on the desk right now at all times for every advertisement, every Super Bowl halftime show, every Grammy's performance. They know how to bring out the the worst of the worst to keep you hopeless. If they can make you feel not uh, fear and what's the cousin of fear? Despair right? The black pilled. The, it's all bless. Look, the real alpha type, you've said it many times, Michael, and you're an example of it, is they do it even if they feel afraid. They, that's, not a, that's not part of the way they register. They learn how to develop the courage to stand even if they know it's hopeless. You got 300 Spartans rising up against millions. You got seven samurai or seven men. We've got plenty of examples of this, of the one against the many and actually winning simply because they addressed their own inner psychic fear that they had. Because And think about it. What do the bullies in your high school do? They're not as big and scary as they pretend to be. They're all the smallest little men in the room. But they are really good at the costumes, aren't they? And aren't we living in a world of costumes? And aren't those costumes designed, yes, to predate on your children and to do all these things? But deep down, I've said it a, a few times now, 
They don't care what it is specifically you're afraid of, as long as you feel that current of energy that they absolutely do feed off of and generate their power from. So if we, that means there's the solution. This can kind of be where we wrap. The solution to get out of this matrix is to go within and address that fear on your individual level. And what better way to address fear than to address the unknown? Because people are afraid of what they don't know. And this is why when you follow the path of knowledge of the truth, be it uncomfortable or not, in fact, you're addressing your fear head on, right? Yes. And you must rationally support what we've been talking about by observing that every decade there is a new rug pulling. Back in the 50s, it was the Soviet threat and the atomic bomb. Some nutter is going to push the button. And do you realize the effect that that had on the youth and everybody else in the Western world? We're all going to die in a big Holocaust. In the 70s, they wheeled out the unions in Britain, I'm thinking here, you know, with the, the, the unions, uh, Thatcher era and the, the, the want and the mass strikes to pull the rug. Then in the 80s, they have another version. You see the oil crisis, the Shah of Iran dethroned and whatever, or the Palestinian-Israel connection, you know. Then every decade, so you can observe what we're talking about and see, my God, this is orchestrated. Now it's this. But yesterday it was that. And they will they, they can turn this Rubik's Cube whatever way they want because they know that as long as they can control, they have one leash for a million necks. Try to find, and that's fear. It really is. And that doesn't mean that we cancel that by some, well, I'm not going to think about it then and it's ponies and rainbow. I didn't say that. I said just observe your enemy and what they're doing. That's all you need to do. You don't swing over to another sort of ghastly denial or you know pretend it doesn't exist. You must study it scientifically. Here is a phenomena that's taking place. I understand how the controllers do it. I'm going to try and immunize myself against it so that even if I'm watching a Tucker Carlson or even you know several other well-meaning types, I'm seeing that they're generating, without them maybe even knowing it, they're generating paralyzing doses of fear. Hmm. So, you know, and then, and then I must make the personal decision of what I'm going to do about that. Do I turn off all of it and go my own way and read more and study more and, and lower the level of fear so I can come back to a bit of science? You know, I'm not there to teach anybody what to do about this. Each person must take this up. Uh, or just like I say with subliminal stuff, to you know, my anyone listening, once you know what's there, you know what's there. So immunity starts just by knowing that that phenomenon is there and plugging it in and you go, I'm immune to it because I, I see what they're doing over there. And this is pretty much the same way. What you later decide to do, you know, is is your own affair. And that's beautiful. I'm not going to violate a person's ultimate freedom by telling them what to do or negating what they are doing. I'm just saying, notice that this phenomena is there and even exists in some well-meaning people who are trying to shake you awake. But at the same time, they may be, you know, adding fuel to the fire of the fear and anxiety that is really paralyzing people, moving towards going and getting pharmaceuticals, moving into nonsense like Buddhism, you know, and non-dualism. You know, all of this is generated out of fear and the need to just block out reality. Well, they don't need fucking implants then, do they? Work it out. You are walking to them. You, you're saying, chain me. I'm already paralyzed with fear. They don't need to incarcerate you or doing anything else. You you're, become your own victim. That's when they really get an orgasm. They feed off that fear. They literally actually feed off the fear. The dark side feeds off your fear. So stoking the fire to try and get you to be inflamed 
is really their methodology of the black sorcerers. The more the more fear this planet generates, the more you're giving them, you know, inoculations, and the more that you're providing them as key nutrient. And uh, I'm afraid this is a very very tough message because, you know, it begs the question of then how do you escape it yourself, and how does the courageous alpha person, you know, move from that point on? Well, that's it. That that's the point. That this is where we need to go. We are evolving toward, you know, finding out how to run culture better as we speak, that we're part of a greater movement, you know, a kind of a Hegelian movement toward a greater understanding of how evil works. This is what this is all about, is discovering the ways of evil, the lineaments of it, the anatomy of it, so that we can do something about it. I'm not the expert. I know what I know, but, you know, yeah, you've got to liaise with the human race, realize that they're mostly dumbed down, uh, like we've been discussing, and try to find some key solutions, you know. Maybe only a few people will be able to implement it. So what? That's always been the case. But but they're very powerful tools. So never get pessimistic because the tools that we're offering are very, very powerful once they're in the right hands. But the general rule is that these people feed off your fear. They can see you coming. You know, and and if you're in this level, if you're in that level of pathological fear, you're already dead. You, they've already won. You can be walking around in the sun with a big Prozac smile on your face, but they've already won the day. You're no threat to them at all. Well said, Michael. Silence. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings obliteration. And I'll face my fear and I'll permit it to pass over me, Mr. Welcome to the TylerBloyer.com live stream today. Quantitative warfare in fear we trust. And today is April 30th, 2023, the last day of the month here in April. And it's been an extremely productive week, I'd have to say, in the last couple months, uh, as spring usually can tend to be. Um, we take the opportunity to, you know, get activated get moving, get uh, all our stuff in order for the year that we want to see unfold, really should be sort of, sort of ramping up right now at this point in time. And, you know, 
for us here around these parts, it sure is, and we're uh, doing pretty good today. And so I want to thank you again for joining me here. And uh, what we're doing here today is uh, live streaming this on the Odyssey channel that I've created for TylerBloyer.com. Again, you know, we used to be pretty active and doing live streaming on YouTube and doing the live streaming there, but the YouTube channel had been taken down and now uh, we're going to use Odyssey to do the live stream, even though there's not a lot of people, you know, live watching the show, but because uh, it's convenient for me to have a produced version of the show done and already uploaded to a channel, then I can publish on the webpage and everything's all set. And then I can, you know, as the day unfolds, get things uploaded to the remaining channels. And also today we are live on freedomsrising.live for the moment. So here is the freedomsrising.live live stream. And you can see that I'm live streaming there as well. So I've been having issues with the server that's doing this stream, which is basically a 24-7 live stream, but hasn't been so much 24-7 lately because, you know, and it looks like me monitoring it while doing all this stuff, or the server has crashed as soon as I'm talking about it, which is what I've been dealing with is the server crashing out, and it looks like it might have just while I started talking about it. Isn't that how things go? Let's see. If I refresh here, what do I get on freedomsrising.live? Oh, no, I'm still there. Okay. So, oh, wait. No, it is offline. See? So, I think I know what the issue is there. But luckily, the the mainstream here on Odyssey is live. We can see that. And that seems to be working just fine. So, Odyssey seems to work pretty well. I mean, I know there's like Rockfin out there now. And there's several other channels for now again you know while i kind of get back into the groove here and produce the content for tylerbloyer.com we're going to do that on the odyssey channel and that's the way that's going to roll right now and i meant to play another clip in the intro there that rumbling through the stuff I kind of missed through that. So let me just go through my sequence that I wanted to show a new graphic that I put in and a new within the Stones Media Network uh, motion graphic as well, cleaned up a little bit. So here we go. All right, so that was meant to be played after the opening clips. 
uh, something there that I cleaned up. And then also, you know, the one great work motion graphic, I call it, came in. And uh, I've had that since the Seed 4 conference in hand. And I just figured I'd be putting that into my opening sequence from here on out. And uh, today, we'll also be getting into several things. We're going to be talking about that opening clip. We're going to talk about some announcements that I have. And then we're going to talk about the fear uncertainty and doubt aspect uh, as we roll into in fear we trust is the subtitle of this episode and quantitative warfare will explain what i'm talking about there and um, talking about the different aspects of fear including uh you know the fear of speaking out and you know what they were talking about there in the opening clip from the dune series or the dune novel uh Fear is the mind killer. And again, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, quantitative easing and sort of the spin on the title here of today's episode. And then I have a, an additional clip at the end I might play. We're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, some of the patriot mythology around the Federal Reserve. And uh, we'll just go ahead and get into it today. So I'm going to start with... Uh, a little bit of a just a brief summary on that clip that we opened up with. That was Michael Tesserion, David Whitehead, and I apologize, but I forget the name of the other fellow there. They're on uh, a channel on YouTube on Rumble called Badlands Media, I believe. Let me make a note here to ha- include that in the show notes and uh, make sure that that gets put in because that's that's well, I got the link to where that clip came from in the show notes, but I'll put a clip, a link for Badlands Media as well. All right, so that clip has been shared around the internet quite a bit this week, actually. Uh, it was featured on, on Band.Video. It was uh, one, Alex Jones shared it, which is, was interesting because that's, there's not a lot of crossover between like the Michael Tesserion crowd and the Alex Jones crowd. So that was interesting. And then Greg Reese, who's a producer for InfoWars and Band.Video and does his own thing on Substack. And Greg has his own site and funnels too and things like that set up where you can get videos directly from him. But he broke it down quite a bit on a podcast that he did and ended up playing a clip into a video that he made called Fear is the Mind Killer. So I had saw this clip like when it came out when David put it on their YouTube channel, the one that I opened up with here, and I thought it was powerful, and I actually had planned to cover it in the show, and then all these other people started covering it, which I thought was cool. That's awesome. I'm really happy about that. I don't think those clips get enough play sometimes. I think the community crossover between people like David and Michael has been a little bit split uh, with some differing worldviews and or ways of interpreting you know, exactly where things stand and people, you know, throwing mud and calling David and Michael statists because they don't exactly fully agree with uh, some of the anarchist mythos or the libertarian edicts or ways of approaching things and have a way of critiquing that similar how I'm open to doing and critiquing things, you know, within those philosophies that need to be I think put up on display and the contradictions need to be reviewed and we need to upgrade our language is, is my perspective on that and i think michael does do a really good job at 
giving us an example of what that can look like, what an upgraded version of ex explaining the issues and explaining the solutions are versus just, you know, sort of what the the freedom movement crowd has their own, you know, mythology that you have to kind of buy into and repeat. Whoops. I didn't mean to go there yet. <laughs> Sorry. Button slipping on things today. You know, servers crashing. That freedom, uh, Freedom's Rising server is kind of been giving me a hard time, but I think I know what the issue is. I have a plan to approach it this week, but the live stream on freedomsrising.live may be up and down this week as I go through that. Hopefully we can get it back up, but that's why you always have redundancy built in, and that's, you know, one of the things that I practice here in in my sort of lab is having a primary system and a backup system, and that's really what Thor is, the one that's crashing as a backup to my main production Eventually, I kind of want to produce from there and leave my main rig alone. But, you know, having a backup that's not functioning, I still have my primary. So two is one and one is none, as they say. And uh, three is even better than that. So, you know, you'll notice I have several production PCs. Yesterday, we produced from that laptop in there. But anyway, so, yeah, the, the fear is the mind killer and you know, I've discussed this topic before, definitely thought Michael's take on that was really great. And, you know, exposing the fact that it's not always just the, the, this big technological apparatus, and they have all the tools. And, you know, if you're talking about, you know, them, they, those, the T3, you know, they, them, those, the, when everybody says the they, you know, the world elite, the people in control, the eugenicists, the, uh, transhumanists, the people who operate in the shadows, the occult, the people who are hidden from view, but still, you know, affecting the light, affecting the other side of the equation while being occulted and hidden away from view. And, you know, occult societies and occult organizations and uh, dark occult organizations do operate outside of uh, you know, the view, that's why they're occulted, they're hidden from, you know, the basic understanding of the basic dipshit out there isn't going to understand this stuff. Uh, you know, but that's uh, going back to the mechanism that they're using is fear. And what we're going to talk about today, we're going to go into that. Uh, but yeah, so it's not just the fact that they're all powerful. It's more, you know, of engaging in warfare against your psychology. And so, you know, again, today's episode titled Quantitative Warfare in Fear We Trust. It's not just going to have to do with banking, because it is a spin on quantitative easing, but also, you know, the real aspect of what's used to control people is uh, mind control through fear and making someone a slave through understanding their psychology and manipulating it through fear mechanisms without that individual fully even understanding what's being done but you're more triggering that amygdala response within that individual. So we're going to go into that today. So let's get into some announcements. Now we can go to the new slideshow that I created, uh, slideshow scene in OBS. The Freedom's Rising graphic looks a little weird there. I want to see how that looks coming in over the output of the stream. And I guess it looks okay. I'm trying to understand... 
how to fix the lettering. Sometimes it renders really weird on certain things. But this scene I built out. This uh, I've had it built out for a while. I don't really use it that much on OB OBS. Is the uh, compositor the streaming software that I'm using here today? And this is to share slides and usually, you know, to go through the introduction, I can go through and share a visual component to what I'm looking for as well as, you know, we got the Freedoms Rising dot live banner down there, the One Great Work Network, we're featuring, you know, where TylerBloyer.com there. So a little bit more fancy than I've been doing as of late, but I did have a little bit of time this week to prepare things and... I mean, I'm looking on Odyssey, and that looks all right, the way it's displayed there. So we'll just see how we'll see how it looks in the end result. All right, so let's see if I can find the controls here. All right, so again, Freedoms Rising is a project that I created. Uh, why isn't it switching? Come on. Okay, we got a we got already having a technical problem here. Let's see if I can fix this. All right. So it should be switching the slide and it's not in the share. So let me just jump into that and see if I can find out why that is. Okay, there we go. Looks like it was just frozen. So we'll go back to here. Freedom's Rising Live. Oops. And if you can hear the little chicks in the background, I still have chicks brooding back here to add to our current flock. We do do leg, ang, hens in the back. And we, you know, eventually plan to have more livestock and things on our homestead that we will get into. But that's part of, you know, our approach to Freedoms Rising is to become more self-reliant, to become more independent. And But Freedoms Rising is a project I started to really sort of bring around the white pill component of the freedom movement or my freedom movement, I guess, you know, the things I'm doing and the things that Cassandra and I work on to promote and grow freedom and self-reliance and prosperity in our own lives and help spread that to the community. But also, you know, exposing the lies and exposing, you know, for biosci war or movements, the freedom movements, like we did in the Fre in Freedoms Rising live stream. And, or it wasn't a live stream, they were pre-recorded audio episodes, but I still, again, you know, do a 24-7 live stream that we're having some technical problems there, but that's the idea, is to be able to broadcast out the things that I put in a playlist that I want to put out, my own work or other people's work that I promote. There's a podcast that goes along with it, and it's more of a worldview and, you know, manifestation as well, where freedom's rising, but it doesn't mean that it's just a default thing that I think is happening. I think we need to do the work to cause freedom to rise, and that, you know, it's not going to be an effort that's going to be easy, and it's it's not a naive thing that I'm saying either, that I just think, oh, we're by default, we're going to have freedom's rising because there's a mass awakening. Like, I don't think that. I don't think... That's a guaranteed thing, and I think the work is ours here to do that work to make sure that Freedom's Rising happens and that the mass awakening, quote-unquote, happens. If that's something that's going to happen, I'm not saying it's a guaranteed thing. 
at all. Okay, so also we are featured on the One Great Work Network. You can find the One Great Work Network at the onegreatworknetwork.com. And there's like 70 current content creators on there. Also a 24-7 live stream. And uh, sort of where I got the concept of doing a 24-7 live stream and even learned a lot of the tools to do that is through uh, Mark Passio, the curator or the starter, you know, the initiator of this project, the One Great Work Network. And you can find more about Mark's work over at the What on Earth is Happening uh, website as well and go through, you know, the podcast that he created, which I feel like is definitely a worthwhile and worth your time endeavor to go through from the beginning, of course. You know, we would never recommend that anyone start in the middle or at the end, but from the beginning, you can uh, take advantage of the mass amount of great work that Mark put out there in that podcast to expose some of the elements that we'll be talking about today and a lot to do with mind control and, you know, how the dark occult operates, as well as many other things. Okay, switching gears into the next slide. So go check out the One Great Work Network, and you know, you'll find some other creators as well as myself over there. Uh, another subject, the Alt Bread Beginners class was produced yesterday by myself and Cassandra. Cassandra being the teacher of the class, that's my wife. And I, you know, if I didn't mention it, we are officially married as of December 2nd last year. And I'm super excited to have Cassandra as my partner, but we've been together for seven, eight years now, and we have uh, three children, one not my biological son, but two that are, and uh, three children together, but consider all three my children equally. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just confirming that, because he's 12, so that wouldn't make sense if we've only known each other for seven years, but and it it wouldn't make sense if he was younger than that either, if, it, if he weren't my biological son, right? But anyway, so... We work well together. We've produced a lot of content and courses for her, but we did this. Uh, I'm going to go outside of the slide deck here and pull out uh, some footage from that course really quick. We did this yesterday on a concept that I have this media cart that you'll see when I, you know, in certain times behind me, you'll see a media cart. And I got that specifically to be able to go mobile with the cart, take it with me, set it up and produce a course or produce, you know, whatever I'm producing. It, you know, right now Cassandra and I are working on her course and for Alt Eats, and uh, she's doing that locally too with people locally. So there's in person, but then you also have uh, the live streaming that we're doing, and I do it live again because I don't like to sit in my office for hours and hours and hours and edit. So just giving you a sneak peek of what this looks like. Now, there's a lot of improvements and things that I need to do with the camera quality, I realized. and But here's, you know, part of the class preview here that I'll give you. You can find this on her YouTube channel currently. The replay is up. And that's another reason, again, why I like to produce live if I can. And I do a similar setup that I do here. There's the book cam. You know, she had students coming up and making stuff. So that's the book cam that I actually have here in the office. And then we had this option, which the quality here is not that great, but this is from the plugin Video Ninja. Or it's actually a website that you can use to get a live shot from the mobile phone into the show. And I'm actually going to give a quick 
preview of that here in the office for those that are interested because you know tylerblur.com live streams we like to also talk about the tech i'm somewhat of a tech nerd and you know the stuff is also what i want to help other people with for producing their content and that's what we do with within the stones media network we help others that are trying to produce their own content get involved so and not just get involved, but overcome technical hurdles. So I had several camera angles set up. We tried to get as many good shots as we can. I'm kind of giving you the speed roll here, the super fast version. Yeah, another student coming up. And, you know, I even had Vinny, the, my 12-year-old son, getting involved with using the mobile mic. And that really adds what you need in there. Because like this, we can go in and we can actually get a good shot of whatever it is that we're trying to look at and not and that people might say yeah well I can do that with my phone anytime yeah but this was all done in one shot live no post edit at all and you get all the angles together with synced up audio and you don't need to go back and spend you know hours and hours and hours or pay someone for hours and hours and hours of editing and there's the sort of the end result here some of the gluten free breads that she showed the people how to make yesterday so so again that's the mobile cam that i'm feeding into obs right here is from vdo ninja someone had tried to brandon uh, martin from the seed conference it was trying to tell me about it we couldn't remember the name and then i was doing some research on how to get this done in a live setup and i think the resolution was messed up on that camera i think uh today i've actually got it better from the testing that i did I think that I started it out wrong, and uh, but what I wanted to do is, uh, I know I'm kind of jumping around a lot, but I wanted to grab it here. Let's see if I can get it back in shape. It kind of, this thing kind of goes... This thing kind of goes to sleep every now and then, so let me kind of wake it back up. Okay, there we go. It woke back up. Now, this is my cam that I fed into OBS here, and at least I did before the show. Let's see if it works. There we go. So that's that camera on me. I don't know why it's so zoomed in. Hold on. So it was kind of zoomed in. All right, and then I also have this other mic here. Okay. So I'm going to mute this mic. Now I'm on a different mic. The audio might sound quite different now. But these are both Shure microphones. So I got a Shure wireless mic that goes into my mixer. It looks like it's a little hot even, so I don't need to talk very loud. But then I can actually mobily move around with the mobile mic. And see, that doesn't look too bad today. I don't know why it looks so much better, but there's a little sneak peek behind the scenes here. And that is a cable rack. I would suggest everyone who has a home office use a cable rack to get all the cables, <laughs> just as a side note. But I could even come, you know, the idea is, is now that I can go mobile in my stream here, and let me give you a little glimpse of my garden this year. See, I have an office greenhouse. And I have all my vegetables in here. Looking all right. 
and they need to uh, get outside and start uh, hardening off or whatever. They need to get exposure to being outside. So that's cool, right? I can give you a, a mobile view of what's going on and leave my desk. And that chicken, they need to be cleaned up. They, they're making a giant mess these days, but they're almost big enough now to where I can get these cardboard pieces off without having to worry about them. So let's see. Again, just doing some live testing here, sort of. Chewy! Oh, there's the Chocho Bocho, huh? That's Chewy. He's got his birthday coming up on May 4th, huh, Chewy? And Mosley's too, huh? So that's the idea. You get you get the view of the awesome pink red carpet and the mobile, you know, the greenhouse in my closet. Brooding chickens in my room. I mean, we got all kinds of stuff going on in here. There's Thor down there. That's the one giving me a problem. I went through and reseeded everything today in there, the RAM and the card, uh, video card. I think the problem is it needs a new graphics card. I gave Vinny my graphics card for his birthday from there, and I haven't replaced it with a good quality one yet. So there you go. There's a little glimpse of my setup. We're just going to switch back. Switching back to this microphone, we'll come back to this camera here. And yeah, so that's the new technique. I think today the video quality from Video Ninja looked a lot better. I think I know what the problem was. Try to shut the door there and uh Okay, so there you go. It could just be the connection here too, like maybe it's properly working over my LAN. I think it's just using a form of NDI on the back end and making NDI tunnels basically in the browser. I haven't read enough about it, but that's what I would venture to guess that it's uh, doing that. So we'll come back to the slideshow. So there's probably an app that does NDI on um, Android. And you could, uh, you know, use a link similar to that, or someone should build an app like this if it doesn't exist, where they, you can just create a link from an app in NDI, pick the camera and all that, and send it, you know, use it in OBS as a browser input, or even an NDI input, if they could do that. And then that's probably what that is doing. It's a free application, the Video Ninja, but pretty cool. So yeah, so the idea is to be able to produce kind of like I do here live without having to, without needing to do post-production and spend a lot of time editing, which I despise. I mean, I can edit and I can edit some pretty cool stuff and I can make pretty cool stuff and I'll even get paid to edit things or edit things for people that are struggling, again, to overcome those hurdles. But is it my bread and butter thing that I want to do? No, I, I'd actually rather do a lot of this live production stuff, you know, local and bring all the equipment out and set up and live produce for, a, you know, a freedom event or a, a, a cool entrepreneurial event, uh, event or anything like that that challenges my skills, triggers the complexity, but isn't uh, sitting at a computer desk for hours and hours and hours editing things, <laughs> which is not what I would like to spend my life doing. Um, 
So let's go back to the slideshow here. Now again, seed five. And so just go to alteats.life and sign up for the email and go to alteats.life slash events if you're in the local area to see about the upcoming events. All right. Also something I'm involved in and coming up in September is uh, the Seed 5 Metamorphosis Conference featuring many excellent producers in the realm of occultism, esotericism, freedom, history, philosophy, symbolism, and natural law. And that's coming up in September on the 23rd and 24th. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, Last time we did Seed 4, I also assisted with actually performing the live streaming task which I've been asked to do again this time. So actually creating, you know, the OBS situation and filtering everything through there to go out and have it all work flawlessly. We're going to have uh, this time a lot more preparation done so that there are not uh, time overlaps or mistakes, hopefully. And also, you know, just not that it wasn't solid last time, but it's going to be even more tightened up this time and adding in some f- things using some different workflows to be able to facilitate a more interactive and uh, more, you know, audience centric focused live interaction with the audience situation that can be used to make metamorphosis occur in your life. And uh, I guarantee it's going to be jam packed with all kinds of information. Some of it will seem uh, crazy and bizarre to those who don't uh, understand or not aren't even familiar with some of the topics that go on and discuss are discussed here in this conference. Other people, it will be information that they've already sort of come across or been familiar with. But as far as when it comes to some of those topics, we do need to, let me just make sure I don't have like an echo or something. Okay. Got to make sure that all the stuff that I pulled up didn't start playing in the background or something. I mean, just sitting here going on and on with an echo. The The big negative side to not doing any posts is when you make mistakes and uh, then, you know, you're left with that in there or you can clean it up. But C5 Metamorphosis, go to seedtruth.com. Let me make sure that's right. Yep, seedtruth.com to find out more. You can uh, learn about the Seed Truth Academy there and get ready for the event and be able to attend and uh, see the free conference live. Again, within the Stones Media Network is the production facilitating body thing label that I use for the productions that we do here, including TylerBlair.com, Freedoms Rising, Alt Eats, and as well... We may be interested in helping you with your freedom-oriented project or entrepreneurial endeavor with uh, some of the things that we can provide through Freedom's Rise Era. Sorry, within the Stones Media Network. Sorry, I'm distracted here with a device on the side trying to make sure that the audio here sounds okay. All right, so today let's get into the presentation of Quantitative Warfare in Greed We Rust was actually supposed to say there, in fear, we trust. But I looks like I forgot to swap that one out. Let's see. How do I 
I can do it live and fix it live. Doing it, doing it, doing it live. Boom. Let's see. Boom. In fear we trust is what it should have said. There we go. <clears throat> now you saw I played the clip in the beginning of Dune. And it says... Uh, the... The litany goes, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings the total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye and see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. So that's their little mantra or litany that they use in that movie. Or it was a novel, right? And then the movie, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's not just from fiction. We're going to see a few things from fiction here today in the slides. And there's, it's not that it's just a fiction, because it's fiction. There's symbology, allegory, you know, pulling from real life. And that's what all the great stories and all the great movies or all the great novels, you know, the uh, Lord of the Rings or Dune or Star Wars, you know, fear is the path to the dark side, right? This is the old adage. But it's not just like fear of the dark or fear of dying there's a manipulation played using the tool of fear. There's a mechanism being played. And we're going to get more into that here today. So probably want to go refamiliarize myself with the series or watch it. It looks pretty dark, but something I'd be interested in myself in reviewing. I can't say that I've completely watched the whole thing. So what is FUD? Going to the next slide here. For those in the audio only or missing out today on what we're discussing in the visual presentation here. So yes, we do do audio only podcasts, but we're going to have to try to make sure and I, re I remember that. To... Uh, give people in the audio version a good understanding of what's actually happening. I don't think we're going to need the, the OBS cam today, so I'm just going to shut that down as to not run my phone down to nothing here. But pretty cool stuff, right? Just to jump back to that. Um, but FUD, what is F-U-D? What is this term? FUD is what they... FUD is the most common tools used by the dark occult or by those people, you know, in behind the media, the master manipulators, the magicians behind the scenes, you know, what is the tool they use? What is the thing they put out there 24 seven dumping it 
into the mouths of the people, the willing slaves with their wide open mouths, wanting to believe in their team, wanting to have their political fantasies met, you know, and have the other party destroyed. What is the thing that they're sneaking in there while you're rah rah rahing for your team? Well, we can guess that the fear is the first one. Fear is the, again, the main tool being deployed against us. And again, it's not just like, like, oh, you're going and sitting in a horror movie and that's the sort of fear that's being used against you. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not just like, oh, the the creepy thing around the corner. A lot of it is playing on your own, what the next word is going to be in this uncertainty and your own doubt. So that's giving away what the acronym FUD is, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Oh, Chewie doesn't want to be in here. And it's, you know, the fear that you have of what other people think of you, the fear you have of speaking out against authority, the fear you have of, you know, putting your thoughts out there and maybe looking a little foolish, you know, having some technical difficulties here or whatever, like me, uh, how, how I might look on camera. Maybe I should just do audio only or something, you know, or why would I even want to put my voice out there in that way? You know, pe- pe- I might, I might start to look different from the crowd. You know, so it's a it's a play on our you know the, our need to be a part of something, to be a part of a bigger picture than just you know going off too far in the deep. And that's how you get attached, or sorry, detached from the group. And that's how they they shun you out, right? So it's not only just that y'all you're not going to have as many friends. It's legitimately playing on you know your fear of being too far different from the group, and maybe even being outcast and not able to survive properly because you're not. Uh, able to get what you need because people won't deal with you because you're not part of the group, that kind of thing too. So it's not just, you know, fear of, you know, going outside at night. But these things, these fundamental things are understood by those who are manipulating you through higher level forms of magic, really, or wizardry or sorcery in this case, really. It's like a a dark occult sorcerer understanding how to use your fear of the dark to, you know, use higher level propaganda and techniques to get you glued to them. Not only that, but then also entrenched in fear, you know, not able to move forward, not able, definitely not able to speak out against or work against, or, you know, be courageous enough to, know the risk that you're taking by speaking out against tyranny and then still doing it anyway because it's the right thing to do. But moving to the next slide, uncertainty. Uncertainty is part of the methodology as well. So, And this is also self-sabotaging things that we do to ourselves. So it's not just what they, them, those do to us. It's not just what's, what the dark occultists are doing to us. These are things that we allow to overcome, you know, other aspects of ourselves in a way that we do in a self-sabotaging certain way. So that, so it could be the ne- negative self-talk, and that might not be like, oh, that's your fault. Sometimes that could be the way you were raised. Sometimes that can be the people around you in your life, at, you know, growing up, and what they've fed into you is sort of these self-looping tracks of like, well, I want to do this thing, but... 
I can't get over the technical thing. And, oh, you know, it's, I don't want to put myself out there. And oh, I don't want to put my family at risk. And, you know, I might not really have the full picture yet either. And I don't know. So, uh, you know, and all, all this negative self-defeating talk and leaving, you know, doubt and uncertainty and really all operating from fear uh, is, is part of the FUD method, the F-U-D methodology. You know, not just a funny sounding acronym, but very important into understanding how we get hung up on our own shit, basically. And then also how those who would be seeking to manipulate you would also be playing on the same psychological aspects, but with a far deeper understanding than most people have of their own psychology. Therefore, that's why they're so victorious. That's why they're so powerful and why they're so effective. Okay, so moving into a doubt. Now the next slide. Uh, doubt, again, same kind of thing as uncertainty. Uh, you know, probably almost overlapping in a lot of ways. But just, again, do I have the full picture? I don't know. I don't know if I'm right about that. And then that stops you from expressing yourself or learning how to express yourself in a way that doesn't back you into a corner necessarily and doesn't come from a point of view that you know it all. It doesn't also have to be that you're authoritative on everything. You know, I like to talk about some of the technology stuff because I know a lot about that. Some of the other things that I don't talk about as much, maybe I shouldn't be because I don't know as much about those things. So it might not be as helpful or I'm pretending to be an expert in a way. But again, you know, our own doubts about ourselves, about self-confidence, enough confidence to be able to say, yeah, you know, I might not have it 100% over here or there, but I feel like I could offer value to the world in this way or help my community build stronger or be, you know, become a better person if I work on these things. But, you know, the, the looping tracks in our mind that can sort of work against us. Uh, and then also, you know, in the bigger macrocosm, the, the Umwelt, you know, picture of, well, you know, the stock market is going to crash and the housing prices are just not where we would want them to be right now and you know maybe the better thing to do would just be to kind of go live in a on a piece of land in a tent situation and and let it all blow over and you know my job would probably get lost anyway and you know that kind of stuff too being scared of the future so much so that you're frozen to move i mean you're unable to but there's not everyone's in that situation we see a lot of that in the freedom community but it could be that you're not it could be that you're financially well off it could be that you feel like people doing what I'm doing here is sort of petty and silly and not really well produced. And I kind of sound like an idiot or whatever. Right. And you know, this, this sort of negative, uh, too much scrutiny, like being overly scrutinizing of information as well, because you know, what is it really going to benefit me there either? And kind of feeling locked into what you already know. And, feeling like maybe that it's not worth putting forth the effort to try to help others or try to help others understand the things that you've come to understand that you've learned through people helping you, you know, through content creation nowadays is a big factor in that. It's a big part of why I'm here because I'm not so arrogant to think that it can't help or that, you know, maybe my perspective is so with the way one person out there can take it, 
But if I'm doubting all this and scared and uncertain about the situation and just living off the fact that, it, you know, it's not really worth it and it's not really, then that, that doubt creeping in is going to overcome my action and my right action is going to be thwarted and maybe even never picked up again because of this, right? Because this can overcome. And, you know, you should consider yourself, you should be serious about your doubts, but then you also need to work through that. You also need to be able to, you know, see if it's a real reason, like false evidence appearing real. Is that what it is? Is that, you know, another acronym for fear? Or is it actually something like a snake on the ground that we should be instinctually, you know, sort of afraid of to not step on? It could be a poisonous thing. You know, there could be something legitimate that we need to address, that we need to act on. And that can even cause a problem with doubt, right? There's actually legitimate things that we need to do because then we might be feeling anxiety. We might be feeling stress about that. So there's often when trying to break things down, there's a dualistic uh, or even multifaceted meaning to what we're discussing. And especially when talking about the occult, there's symbolism in general, words, the meaning of words often have a dualistic and then the context of the person, you know, trying to portray the message and, you know, their understanding of the word and the definition. So words, definition, meaning, context, philosophical understanding, the underlying worldview, the underpinning belief system, essentially is what it comes down to, uh, can all change the meaning of a word and it can all change the meaning of what I'm saying. And so sometimes I might seem to be going all over the place with a word or, you know, just in this case, just trying to uncover doubt as it relates to fear. But it is something you need to turn around and look at different ways of seeing through the lens. You know, and that's also something I try to show that like, am I, you know, an anarchist philosophically? Yes, in a sense, I'm wearing a shirt today that says no masters and no slaves. So in that sense of, you know, there's no rulers, but there are still rules. I still have a philosophical worldview that contains morality and ethics and logic. You know, I'm not, for example, a nihilist, uh, atheist, uh, you know, materialist would have a different philosophical outlook and decision-making process when it comes to what's right and wrong where you know i political anarchy is definitely not something that i'm interested in at all or like you know any hyphenated anarchism so i don't like to call myself an anarchist because the word itself gets so conflated and yeah we should try to educate people you know, that there's no legitis- le- legitimacy to the claim that someone can be an authority over you or that you should accept that claim over them. And that's not a legitimate relationship. And there's all kinds of contradictions. Someone can argue against all this stuff. But, you know, if they, again, materialist, atheist, nihilist, uh, solipsist, obviously isn't going to see the same way. But there's still an, uh, an absolute or an objective truth that we can attempt to align our self with. Um, So that's not the subject of today's topic, but let's move on to the next slide. Fear is the passion of slaves, Patrick Henry. And End Slavery is a website, a Facebook page, actually, that I operated for a long time. And it's just a concept, again, like freedom's rising. Like, 
it's not a Facebook page. It's a philosophical idea of ending slavery. Well, what slavery? You know, what is the line in the matrix? The what truth are we trying to understand? Well, that that you're a slave and that you don't even know it. You know, and fear. He's not talking here about chains and whips, chattel slavery. He's saying those that want to be ruled over are ruled by fear. You know, I think that's another way to say this. And slaves are those that, and in this context, again, not talking about, you know, African slavery in the United States uh, early history. It's talking about mental slaves, people that are mentally enslaved. And, and they would like to be that way. And they stay in fear and they enjoy their chains. Uh, something I saw yesterday on a Aaron and Melissa Dykes documentary. And they're talking here about the Bavarian Illuminati. The Adam Weishau started uh, Illuminati. And uh, this uh, Theodore Elector of Bavaria says... These societies have drawn attention of the public and awakened its fears. So again, getting your attention. You know, what, today we see that as the modern media. The mainstream failing dinosaur media that's imploding. But that there's other levels of media, mass media, mind control, and... Uh, thwarting even what you know we're attempting to do here be the alternative media there's ways of influencing and infiltrating the alternative media that is just as if not more nefarious than they their old techniques let's say uh, but yeah the you know secret societies operating in secret and America has essentially been involved in that world since the beginning. That's basically what America is, is a, is a new concept started by occultists and secret society members, Freemasons, uh, Illuminati. You can uh, confirm a lot of that pretty easily. But so it's not like, and John F. Kennedy said, you know, we... One of the first speeches he gave, I believe, or it was one of the last, one of those two could have been the same, was that we as a society, we, what does he say, we as a people have been inherently opposed to secret societies, secret oaths, secret proceedings. And I hear that and I'm like, that's good, he's calling it out, but I don't know if it's inherently that way. It's always been inherently the opposite, actually. <laughs> We've been inherently always, you know, had occulted a, a, a societies and secret societies operating behind the scenes with things, you know, publishing our own documents, creating the Constitution. And, again, the main tool, even being recognized, you know, by the Bavarian Illuminati is awakening the public's fears and using them against them. So, of course, we have Bob Marley, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. One of the best lines 
Uh, one, and that's one of his greatest songs, I think. Uh, probably should have exited with that song today. We're going to exit with a different song. Um, but yeah, Bob Marley's music was obviously extremely powerful. And some of the lyrics like this are just invaluable to the contribution to humanity and accurate. You, we have to do it ourselves. We're obviously not going to have the chains taken off of us, you know, by somebody else. And this isn't just ourselves, but yourself. You know, you have to do it. You're the only one that can enslave yourself. And it comes from true care and the opposite of fear, love. And we're not talking, you know, a romantic love here or like a a love for the dog or something, you know, a love for my child. Although those are forms of love, but we're talking about a higher uppercase self love here. Love for the universe or a Christian way of saying it would be worshiping God, which really means living according to the laws of nature and worshiping is really just respecting the creator or creation, all the creation around you. Another word for that, Jehovah or God or, you know, the million other things that the Bible screwed up was changing all the translations to just using the word God too much in place of Lord or, you know, other things like that. When really what we're talking about here is worshiping creation, you know, and having enough self-love and care to be able to work through the fear that is the opposite of that energy force, the opposite of fear not being, um, you know, let's say, happiness or something, right? Fear or, you know, courage or something. Like these are, we're talking about uh, the polar opposite of fear on, on this level is actually love and letting love overcome and work through the emotion of fear. But of course, on the next slide here, if you're afraid to speak out against tyranny, then you're already a slave. So if you're not able to, or being crippled by the thought of even questioning your masters, then at that point, you know, you're already a slave. At that point, you're basically deciding and living in a self-built prison. You know, because in, in, in history, and then also what we're going to continue as a human species to go through is the cycle of overbearing and self, you know, collapsing tyranny, which creates situations which are so immense and horrible that speaking out against it is the right thing to do. And informing and warning others is our mission and being able to consistently keep tyranny at bay I'm not saying we'll ever defeat it, but keeping it at in check. But if we're not able to even get the courage to speak out against tyranny, then might as well just, you know, put on the ropes ourselves and, you know, walk ourselves into a gulag prison, walk ourselves into a FEMA camp. You know, we might as well 
what's the point? You know, if freedom is lost, then what's the point of, of being continuing the, the project? I mean, I think we can work through what we're going to have to go through as a species. And some of that might include tolerating certain amounts of tyranny as we continue to do the work to fight against tyranny. But, you know, if all is lost and it's hopeless and we're just going to live in that fear, uncertainty and doubt and not do our job to speak out against tyranny, then, you know, in that mindset and, and mind frame, there is no point in continuing not only your life, but the project of human freedom. You just might as well just give up and crawl in the corner and die at that point, you know? Because if, if we're going to let the fear of what other people think about us here in the next slide, I'm afraid of what other people might do, say, or think. It actually says say, do, or think. Who says that? The enslaved say that. Okay, so we have another slide here from Mark Passio's presentation, The Cult of Ultimate Evil. And I don't think he had a slide on this, but I made this a long time ago, and it says, I am not fearless. I have fears, many of them. True courage is not the absence of fear, but true courage is right action in spite of the fear. And if you go watch that, there's a lot more angst or like, you know, power behind Mark when he gives that particular line. But then, you know, the imagery in the background here is like this this one guy going up the tunnel to fight this giant demon, you know, kind of like how we have in the, in Spawn in the opening here of this uh, series that I've been doing lately with the, the clip about going down into the depths and taking on the dragon, taking on the demon, right? And do you think that person's not going to have fear doing that? Of course they will. But you, we need to work through taking on the dragon, taking on the small dragon, approaching it and addressing it concisely, you know, and without, without letting fear cripple us. Again, this quote from Mark saying, of course, we're going to have fears. And of course, you know, we don't get fearless. We're not just, oh, I'm so fearless. I don't have any fears. I mean, if you do that, you might end up you know, actually doing something stupid if, you, if you're not, you know, paying attention to things that actually sh aren't fear, uh, false evidence appearing real, but actually are actual things that we should address. But the fear is something you work through with courage and, again, love to be able to care enough to not allow tyranny to just run rampant, to not allow corruption in your life to just completely just slap you in the face and spit on you and put you in the mud because you're too afraid to speak out against it. And not speaking out against it in the way that we saw that individual last week that I covered that was blown away by the Farmington City Police in Utah there, uh, because he didn't, you know, see things their way and they felt threatened. Maybe he had a gun, maybe he didn't. I still feel like those cops were extremely in the wrong, obviously. They're uh, actually cowards who were... Uh, completely doing the wrong thing and following through on a belief system that they don't have the right to hold and they were incorrect and out of line but I still don't feel like the way that individual handled the situation is the way to go uh, if we're going to continue to try to defeat evil to, to, to defeat uh, the false belief in authority this 
statist belief system, the, the way to approach it isn't to get into an argument with an armed psychopath on the side of the road. And we can use our voices in a way that doesn't put our lives at as much risk because we all know that powerful, influential individuals speaking a message of peace and freedom and truth in the past have been found as a threat, such as like Martin Luther King being assassinated, you know, by the U.S. government, by the FBI, or Mar or, or John F. Kennedy, you know, for example, or, you know, his nephew, I believe, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, running for president uh, with a, I think he said that his dad, his uh, uncle was, uh, you know, deceased by an occupational hazard, you know, and, and he's pretty aware of the, you know, the Lee Harvey Oswald Patsy story is not co the correct, accurate, accurate portrayal of what happened that day. All right. So, so yeah, we need to work through that fear and then ultimately, as the great Leo Russell, Walter Russell's partner and a great author and insight from Leo in many realms, but especially what we're talking about here, saying here in this quote, the purpose of your being on earth as a living, breathing entity is so that you will make that unparalleled discovery of what life and love truly are. And, you know, this, this is an uppercase love that we're talking about here. It's not just saying that you, we hope you find, you know, ro romance in your life. Uh, we're talking about what the real purpose and meaning of the creation is, you know, is to, to respect and live according to the laws of this creation and according to uh, living under the laws of nature and aligning our behavior in such a way that we're not, you know, only participating in slavery of other beings, of slavery of other humans, of fear, uh, controlling our lives in such a way that tyranny is able to just run rampant and we're not able to stand up against it. And, you know, I think also adding to this is the tagline, that also Mark Passio is famous for ending a lot of his talks in is all is love. Fear is an illusion. All beings are free and truth can never be destroyed. And so the illusion of fear being fear, uh, false evidence appearing real, right? The, the part that our minds are so good at doing is overblowing something into something that is not actually the case. The over thinking something that's not actually something that we need to be afraid of, but we, our minds are wonderful at creating this brilliant, you know, display and story about this certain fear, you know, that, that may not even be something that's real that we can work through. Uh, such as using your voice in a way to speak out against tyranny. That's not again, going out in the street with your signs and your, it's about what we're doing here, helping others understand this knowledge, helping others, pointing to the greats, as we'll do at the beginning and the end of this episode. And, you know, as we'll continue to do, it's not just like, Tyler knows it all and he's here to explain it to you. Like, no, we're going to point to the Russells. We're going to point to uh, Mark Passio. We're going to point to Mark Michael Tessarion. We're going to point to 
the Clint Richardson at the end of this episode if we have time to play it into today's episode. And, uh, you know, all I can do is bow down and, you know, pay homage to these great uh, seekers and wisdom purveyors from the past, as, at a minimum, putting my spin style technique on it, helping others try to get involved in uh, in their own lives and working on the fear and overcoming it. doesn't mean that you need to do media production, right? That's a another fallacy, a sort of the truth movement. And, and even the people, you know, in the One Great Work Network is like, well, we all have to be doing this this way. And it's like, no, this is something we can apply to gardening. This is something we can apply to raising children, obviously. This is things we can apply in our life that aren't having to do with speaking out. I don't think everybody's path on this planet is to go and speak out on a podcast or something like that. It's something I enjoy doing. It's something I can do. It's something I feel like I should do and uh, have a moral responsibility to try to do, not just even for the larger community, but as a father and someone who's trying to set a good example for what uh, you know can be done. But I don't make the fallacy that it's what everybody should do. All right, so that's the slides that I had put together for today. And uh, we're not always promising slides in every show. We're not always going to go into a long slideshow presentation. Uh, some weeks might just be me, one camera, ranting and raving. You know, the idea for myself is also not to get caught up in the technical overwhelm. And, oh, I don't have slides and my mic's not working in the camera. Like maybe that week I'll just set up one camera, no slides, no nothing and go. But again, like, you know, I'm learning a lot about live streaming setups and it's not all that complicated really, to be honest with you. It's uh, a lot of fear, uncertainty and doubt that gets people hung up on technological problems. Um, a lot of the time is like slow down, you know, pay attention to what you're doing and take a breath. And if it's something's screwing up, like we'll, we're going to get through it. We'll, we'll figure it out because that's ultimately what the technology should be to here to do is to help make our lives better not help make us more frustrated, help make things you know harder. And it's written by human beings. So you would think things would be pretty easy to use, but in a lot of cases, just like with a lot of human beings, you know, they're not all that great. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. So, all right. So we made it through that. Um, in fear, we trust is the spin on in God. We trust because it's again, the opposite of, you know, going along with nature and its law. Instead, in fear, we trust, you know, in fear, we will be the democratic socialist republic that we ought to be all living enslaved in fear through the various apparatus that get us to keep coming back and thinking that voting is actually going to make a difference here or to changing around the economic system. And so, you know, what it really is doing is trigger, triggering the reptilian complex within a human being, the lower stem brain, the amygdala response that is triggered by playing on people's fear puts them in a survival situation. So again, not being a part of the crowd, not being a part of the herd. These are things that people are terrified of instinctually because that could mean being outcast. That could mean not surviving through, you know, being put out to pasture, not being involved with things that are critical to your lifeline. Nowadays, things are a little bit different in that way. 
But as we move into the CBDC, social credit score, digitized ID, everything's going to be all linked together thing, this is going to become even more prominent. Hey, if I'm speaking out and saying these things, I might not have a job. I might not be able to get my food. I might not be able to, you know, do what I need to do to support my family. And you don't think these things cross my mind? You know, you don't think this stuff comes up when I go to write up something and, you know, realize that this is a public forum and I'm putting things out there, my thoughts out there in this way. Uh, yeah, of course I'm, you know, considering those things. But again, we have to be able to work through those things and still do what we feel is right action and take that right action in a way that isn't just foolishly, you know, running through making all kinds of mistakes and, you know, not paying attention to the considerations we should have when it comes to our safety and our family's safety. And uh, then, you know, calculated risk and adding the courage to it to just be able to step into that role and do what you need to do, you know, to, to take the right moral action at times that makes sense so that you're not just, again, fighting some psychopath on the side of the road with, uh, you know, his worldview up against yours and it's going to come down to an arms fight and there's seven of the guys are surrounding your car. This is not going to go well. I'm not saying bow down to tyranny because they're threatening. No, I'm saying the opposite. We need to stand up against tyranny, but let's do it in a way that doesn't just we meet our demise, you know, like that, you know, refuting their authority on the side of the road is not the way to go. To to take outside of that, if you want to fight the system through the courts and the laws and go the paperwork route and do all that stuff, that's fine too. What we're talking about is more about what uh, Bob was talking about there. The mental slavery is where all this stuff ends and begins, really. It is a mental universe. It is something that is psychological and in our minds is where freedom is created or freedom is destroyed. It all begins from that first step of what the initial, you know, free will individual is going to do with their free will. Are they going to, you know, continue on and just get by, go on to get along? And like we saw with COVID, so many people uh, in, in a state of fear that was crippling in a way where they were immediately willing to give up their rights to the technocracy, to the overlords, to the, to the, to the media, to the medical establishment and to the crowd, to not wanting to be the person that was different to not wanting to be the person that was, uh, going to be, you know, found to be not part of the crowd. Oh, look, cam, oh, wait, that there cam three is a different cam I had today set up as well. Gives you another little overview of like kind of what's happening here. Uh, so yeah. Um, fear of speaking out is a massive problem that we have. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody should be speaking out because you do have to come to a certain level of moral understanding and certain, not like certain facts from the Patriot mythology that you have all the right. Well, it's the Rothschilds, you see, and in 1911, the, the Jekyll Island meeting, and, you know, it's like, a, let's see what's happening here with this. Let's turn that off. 
Hopefully there wasn't an echo with that. There was some kind of video capture device running there. All right, so um, quantitative easing, part of the thing that we're talking about here today. Uh, the fact of creating something from nothing, of just printing the money, that's all based in the quantitative easing idea. And what quantitative easing is, so now we're switching gears, we're moving a little bit past the fear topic, we'll come into this infogalactic, this is like a, an opposite to Wikipedia, although I'm not sure how much better the information is, but at least it's not Wikipedia. Uh, they say, quantitative easing is a monetary policy used by central banks to stimulate the economy when standard monetary policy has become ineffective, a central bank implements quantitative easing by buying financial assets and commercial banks and other financial institutions, thus raising the prices of those financial assets and lowering their yield, while simultaneously increasing the money supply. This differs from one or more, or from, from the more usual policy of buying or selling short-term government bonds to keep interbank interest rates at a specified value target. Expansionary monetary policy to stimulate the economy typically involves the central bank buying short-term government bonds to lower short-term market interest rates. However, when short-term interest rates reach or approach zero, this method can no longer work. All right, so printing the money, devaluating the currency, potentially causing various uh, forms of inflation. Okay, hold on one second here. <laughs> Got to get this uh, whiny dog out of here. So basically the warfare aspect of it is is they're creating, in a way, a, a debt and an inflation that steals the money from you, uh, it, money that you at one point thought was worth this much, now they're devaluating it, and it's worth you know, a lot less by the time they're printing that money. So it is a form of warfare on the individuals that have been participating in that economic system. Their value of their currency is becoming less, but it's also... You know, from another angle, this is sort of how the system was designed and how it works, is they'll just keep printing the money, you know, keep having the wars, keep building the bombs, basically. And that this is the way that we grow that system and keep it working, basically. It's a magic trick to keep it from not crashing. It's, a, it's what the bankers do uh, to kind of keep things going and keep the illusion going, right? And uh, as long as the illusion's still going and the stocks are still going up and it looks like things are still better, then that then the illusion continues on. You know, we haven't had a major, huge, earth-shattering crash. We've definitely had big dips and big problems in the housing market of the 2008 or the tech bubble or the, you know, the various bubbles, the Great Depression. But those busts and boom cycles are you know, built into this current monetary system. And uh, it's a form of warfare because it's it's definitely, you know, part of the manipulation. It's part of the control of society. 
And even our understanding of how it all works has been manipulated heavily. And going back to sort of a patriot mythology about how the bankers just sort of swung in and took over everything. And, you know, no, our government is totally complicit in all that. And the Congress has kept all this stuff going. And the Congress is the ones that approved of it all. And so it's our own government that's created the Federal Reserve, given it whatever power that it's had. And when I say our own, I mean the people who are buying into this, you know, the federal government of the United States uh, system. And I'm not saying, like, I'm a willing participant as a citizen of that, right? It's more, you know, I hate to use the word, but uh, it's a rationalization. It's whatever I do to go along with this system is not necessarily a willing slave or a willing participant. It's more of an understanding of the prisoner situation that we're in and, you know, looking to do things towards right action in my own life that I can. But, you know, again, we're respecting however quantitative easing works. The reason why it's a form of warfare, again, because this is a form of communism, basically. It's in the Communist Manifesto that central banks... Uh, should exist, and then here we're what we hear is about the financial assets and inst- institutions from cur- commercial banks being consumed and taken over by the centralized banking system. Uh, I was just looking up the Communist Manifesto here, and there's all kinds of mentions of uh central banking you have to actually find like the actual manifesto though and that is right here i think on the internet archive and if you just look at bank and zoom in a little These measures, of course, will be different in different countries. Nevertheless, in the most advanced countries, the following will be pretty much generally applicable. And if you kind of skip to number four, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. And number five, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with the state capital and an exclusive monopoly. Looking for that word bank again, just skipping down through. Uh, Here are some more tenants. It looks like one, number six being centralization of money and credit in the hands of the state through a national bank. Actually, that's what what we already read. So as you can see, uh, number 10 here, another demands of the Communist Party in Germany was a state bank whose paper issues are legal tender and shall replace all private banks. So centralized banking and control of by the state is a tenant of communism, which is what we have many of the tenets and ideas of communism implemented by law in our own, in the own United States government. Try not to use the word our. But it's a, a tenant of communism as well. I'm not for central banking, but people do misunderstand through a lot of the stuff that's put forward about how it all works, including myself 
and have even put forward evidence and things that were found out to be not exactly how it all works. Um, calling the Federal Reserve a completely private entity uh, is not exactly accurate. I, I don't think that's true. There are definitely people on the board that are put there by government that are private individuals or they come from families that are private or, um, you know, even like ancient or uh, old cabal families uh, still operating in parts of the Federal Reserve. But this is all, again, approved by the government. It's it's something that the Congress isn't just strangleholded into doing and there's nothing they can do to stop it. I think uh, there was a bill to audit the Fed put forward by Ron Paul where he says that the Congress should just end the Fed. And, well, if they have the power to end it, then obviously they may have been the ones that created it. And then saying, oh, well, it's just these bankers that we just don't know what to do. It's sort of in this endless game they're playing against us to not understand, to not uh, be able to know who the real enemy is or what we could do about it. I mean, it's all an illusion. That's the thing, is it's all a giant magic trick. The belief in money itself is a religion. It's not something real. It's not something that nature made. It's a man-made property that we created, and we all believe in it. That's what makes it useful, and that's also why the illusion continues on, is because we put faith in it, we believe in it, we allow it to exist, and the whole whatever trillion, whatever 30, 40 trillion dollars we're in debt now, or whatever the ridiculous number is, that's not real. That's just something, you know, it's not arbitrary, but it was designed that way, the system, and it doesn't need to be a system that we use. It doesn't need to continue on. More of It's more so to keep you under mind control, essentially. It's another part of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, it's been used as a way to keep you enslaved with a, you know, um, with, with the math, you know, lining up to how that system was designed. But in the end, you know, we're giving that our power by our belief in it. We're the ones continuing that system. When they say the money system is based in nothing, the money system is, is, you know, not backed by anything. That's not necessarily true. It's backed by your slavery. It's backed by your belief in it. It's backed by your willingness to continue propagating it. And it's not just, well, you know, we, we get rid of the banking system then and everything's fine. No, the system is a reflection of our own internal corruptness, of our own problem as a whole, as a human species respecting things that aren't real, respecting that which is not of nature, respecting the flattering titles. That's all a reflection of our corruptness as a whole. It's not like you just get rid of one of those components and now everything's fixed. That's another big problem in the freedom movement is, well, then if we just start using Bitcoin, we can totally thwark around this, you know, and it's not. That's, that's one part of a puzzle of a major picture that needs to be, you know, dealt with. But the, the ones in the center, the most important pieces, or however the analogy goes, are, you know, again, it's an internal, spiritual, mental battle going on within the corruptness in individuals. 
and allowing, again, fear to rule you and not being able to speak out against it or allowing the self-talk to rule you or being a slave to substances or being a slave to belief systems or not understanding real human freedom, not understanding uh, no masters above but no slaves below, you know. And not getting caught up on, oh my god, is that an Illuminati symbol that Tyler has on his shirt? Oh, oh, you know, again, symbolism is uh, dualistic. And just by chance today, we're talking about the banking system, but using a, a different angle on the third eye. And then this aspect, it's in the feminine form, um, you know, that of do no harm. But, you know the true anarchist knows that the other side of that is, but take no shit. So there's, yes, the non-aggression principle, but also the self-defense principle in operation, you know, to be able to truly maintain freedom in a way that's not violating other people's rights. You know, but, you know, people get caught up on the symbol, like, the Illuminati that, you know, made our dollar bill own the freaking symbol or something like that. And that's also not the case. All right, so as we kind of wind it down for my part, and then I have a clip I'd like to play, we do, you know, have people, again, repeating things, especially when it comes to explaining the banking system that are sort of just repeated and never really verified. And our end speaker here, with the clip I'm going to play from him, goes in depth on that. And so I will let him do that. But we see that across the board with lots of different things. Like uh, like I talked about last week with voluntarism. And I know that that's triggering to the people that this is like their flagship thing is voluntarism. And they repeat it in everything they do. And it's just the line they go to. Um, and again, I'm not opposed to saying we want our interactions with others to be voluntary. And I'm also, uh, what I am actually opposed to is, is claiming, again, that the relationship we have with the government is not voluntary. Because what that does is it starts to say that you do things that are not of your own free will. And that somehow there are things you're doing that are not of your own free will decision making and if somebody else would just fix that and start being voluntary then you could be voluntary too and then it would all be fixed and that's just it's just a contradiction and it doesn't make sense and when you have contradictions in a philosophical worldview like that you can remove the contradiction or you can continue on ignoring it and end up creating mistakes in what you're saying i'm not again i'm not saying that we should have involuntary interaction with people I'm just recognizing the reality of the situation in the world that they're always going to be, you know, tyrannical mobs or tyrannical entities or groups that become tyrannical or things that are violating the laws of nature, or violating your uh, autonomy, bodily autonomy. That's a part of our reality. Our reaction to it is what we have the ability to control. And it's voluntary how you do that. So it's always voluntary. You know, and again, you could go, well, that's not what we mean. And that's not what it means. And it's like, okay, man, just jump over the contradictions and just continue on looking foolish. And again, I don't want to argue with people about it, but it's a good example of what also happens with like 
you know, what Clint will talk about here as well, like the mythology, the Patriot mythology around the Federal Reserve System. And I'm not, again, for communism, obviously, I'm not for the opposite, but it's the way that we or the freedom movement goes around explaining it to people, um, you know, is oftentimes not exactly accurate. And then also very off-putting to a lot of people and attacking some of the more core issues of human slavery, of mind control, of the occult, uh, the dark occult, and exposing it isn't necessarily needed to be, you know, accept everything that the creature from Jekyll Island book puts forward or Eustace Mullins. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that all the work those gentlemen have put out is incorrect and false or bad, or we should throw it out. Definitely not saying that either. I've had interviews with G. Edward Griffin. I did the production with him. I've met him in person. I've done other projects. I've been involved with many things that he's done and also gotten a lot out of his work as well. And so we're not trying to, you know, throw him under the bus and say it's not worth listening to. So I called it an intermission in my notes here, but this is really going to be an exit clip. And what I'll plan to do is we'll come back uh, next weekend with an episode. And Saturday is probably going to be preferred next week because we have uh, traveling that we plan to do on Sunday. We actually plan to go down to the valley and visit with some friends who also adopted a dog like the one I showed you earlier, Chewy, from the same uh, litter, and they birthday is on May 4th. So uh, I'm going to plan to be here doing a show on the 6th, and otherwise, you know, we'll not be doing it on Sunday. Typically, Saturday is the day that I'd like to do these live streams and recordings and put out the content that I like to produce. But I leave it, like today, yesterday I had uh, the project of producing for Cassandra's Alt Eats Bread uh, all grain course. And so, you know, I moved it to Sunday instead of just saying, I'm not going to do it. We'll still, you know, try to move things around. And then at the same time, I'm not strict on the schedule of exact times, but it typically will try to be around 1230 Eastern on Sunday, 930 Pacific. And same on Sunday around that time. And then again, Odyssey is the main platform that I'm using for the live stream. Uh, you can find my work at tylerbloyer.com is the main place and sign up for the email there. That way you can be informed when new episodes drop. And you can also use BitChute and use the BitSlide mobile app. I'm on there. Rumble. And as always, there's all the various RSS outlets of Apple, Google, great companies, you know, just love them. Spotify, Android, iHeart, Stitcher, Podcast Index, some value for value. Send me some lightning over there. Of course, uh, follow me on snort.social is the new platform that I'm promoting as far as uh, any kind of social media that I'd promote. And in the show notes, you can also find a link to the Gilded server that I've sort of put out there in beta if people want to find you know, a place to kind of chime in or bring in comments into the show or feedback, that's a decent place, as well as Tyler at TylerBloyer.com. And, you know, for the problem with people like myself who take a lot of notes and prep is that now, you know, you oftentimes feel like you can't hit it all. 
And there are things in this episode that I wanted to cover that I didn't necessarily cover. But at the same time, you know, we don't plan to make these too long. And I, this clip that I have coming up here, I will play anywhere from, I think, about 20 to 40 minutes or so. I uh, didn't get the exact timestamps, but there was the essence of the part that I wanted to get in that I'll pull up here. And I also didn't have time to preload the clip, so we're going to pull it up. And I'm going to play about as much as I feel like should need to be. It's a little lengthy, but we're playing it here at the end. And I appreciate you for tuning in today. I don't think I'll be back for commentary of the clip. But just to contextualize it again, Clint himself was someone who was involved with a lot of the We Are Change and the Freedom Movement stuff and sort of became disillusioned with a lot of it because of the there's so much bullshit and sort of misinformation or sort of misunderstanding of information. Um, there's a lot of tricksters. There's a lot of snakes in the grass. There, and that, you know, can become something in itself that starts to needs to be exposed. And people like himself, I think, are some of the more eloquent ones at doing that. Does he get things wrong? Absolutely. Has he attacked people in the past that I don't necessarily agree with his attack? Unfortunately, yes. But the straw man story, the uh, book that he put out, is really one of the books that I would say has given me some of the greatest context and insight on our current human predicament and our current human enslavement problem. And his outtake on the solutions to that, I think, are also some of the best. And it goes, I think, in line with, with you know what we're eventually trying to do is get back to the land, get back to nature in a way that's not just like walking around in the woods or something, but back to living in, in harmony with even the creatures on this planet in a way that doesn't necessarily mean that we're full-blown vegans either. And, and, and I can get to that in the future as well. But I don't necessarily see it exactly like everybody else sees it as far as the solutions of building soil and building a homestead properly and becoming a lot more self-reliant in that way. It has to be done in without chemical fertilizers. And the way to do that is through animal husbandry and creating ecosystems for the livestock that actually makes sense in a permaculture type way of stacking, you know, outcomes and multi-function stacking. So watch the biggest little farm, if you can watch anything. And then what we're going to watch, I haven't seen the whole thing yet, is Back to Eden. It's in the same kind of vein. But the biggest little farm, I think, is what is the obvious solution that we should all be doing that would uh, make our lives on this planet a lot more in harmony with nature and its law. In you know, the way that I see it, because there's, there's other ways that people would totally disagree after watching the movie, but Hey, go check it out. Go check out the biggest little farm. I think it's actually quite inspirational and hopeful to see that this is the opportunity we have, you know, to get back to nature and not just, again, you go out in the woods and now you're back to nature. That's not what we're talking about. We're, we're talking more about the getting rid of the false belief systems, uh, getting rid of the respecting, you know, persons and legal entities and flattering titles. That is the corruption that creates the Federal Reserve System. That is the corruption that allows it to have any power over us, is our belief in it and our going along with that belief in such a way that we end up sort of putting the chains on ourselves. And stepping out of that isn't exactly something that's going to happen overnight. 
is something that takes time. It's something that takes energy and effort and willpower, but it is something that we can start to work out and step out of, which, you know, it's kind of like the exit and build strategy uh, from John Bush. Exit not meaning run away. It's just, you know, leaving the system while building a new one is a better way and creating a strong enough bridge that we can guide people across this bridge to freedom. And it's not so wobbly and shifty. And I feel like that's the state that we're in now. So this is going to come in abruptly here. I'm going to start this clip. He, he was on the Inniverse podcast. Let me just kind of arrange a couple things here so I can, you know, work on the end of the production in the background while this is playing and I'm listening in with you guys. Okay, so the Inniverse podcast, I can't recall that dude's name that runs it, but lots of interesting and uh, very informative information in that podcast. We'll pull it up here. That's not the right slide. Okay, there we go. And here, I'll put the link in the show notes for this. So you can go watch the whole thing. And again, Red Pill Sunday School from Clint Richardson, as well as his book, The Straw Man Story. It's not about like fighting the system by t- taking your birth certificate back and all this. Like the straw man, as I think he'll even say here, is a real thing. And again, it's the legal fiction that we believe in. It's the legal... uh the, the the legalese and you know the opposite to the laws of nature man's law that we're respecting that really is the real problem uh that's uh you know kind of like a limited liability company it's a double-edged sword it, it's a great technology that we've created in in the you know the western world to be able to have a business without putting your entire assets and livelihood at risk at the same time you know it creates a lot of the uh, limited liability, you know, like for how about how about like a vaccine company that just has no liability at all and can injure you with their product, but is not legally liable at all. That's the kind of, you know, uh, that's the kind of solipsistic, uh, um, subjective morality that is the dual-edged side to that, that, that there can be laws created to make situations where you can harm someone with your product directly, but yet, you know, that's not going to be something that they're liable for. That That's total horse shit right there in itself, right? So again, I'm going to say goodbye for today. We'll play this clip out. Then we have an exit song from Spirit Caravan called The Brainwashed. It's called Brainwashed. I think that's all it's called. Um, so yeah, that'll be the exiting music after this clip. And other than that, I want to appreciate and say say how much I appreciate. And thank you for letting me kind of fumble through today with a lot of messing around with stuff and the presentation as well as, uh, you know, my sort of free-form ranting, which is what I've been doing lately in these shows is sort of lining it up so I can sort of just go off the cuff. So I'm not trying to say, like, I've got it all figured out and I'm perfect and right and you, should, you need to listen to me. Um, but at the same time, I hope people can find value in this work and find value in the episodes that we put out and appreciate everyone and have a wonderful day. See if I can actually got to unmute this from here and, uh, get rid of me and thanks everyone. They can declare bankruptcy. They have municipal bankruptcy chapter, I think, 15 and chapter 9. I can't remember. 
Um, chapter 11, I can't remember which ones, which chapters that are specifically for municipal bankruptcies, right? I wrote about it. Uh, the Stockton bankruptcy lie where I showed the Kaffir had all this money and they're declaring bankruptcy even though they have all this money, right? So, yes, cities could declare bankruptcy. Washington, D.C. technically could, I think, declare bankruptcy. But the government itself as a nation state, and that's a term that, that I'm going to cover in the next uh, video because we really, I don't think most of us understand what a nation state is. Um, I certainly didn't until I started down this, this avenue. But there's no bankruptcy, okay? We have defaulted on our debt, as many countries do. Um, in fact, one of the defaults was the start of a war with France. But there's no bankruptcy, okay? So right there as the foundation of a... Of Okay, sorry. I'm gonna play this from a different angle because I f can hear something they wrong with that. Even though there might not be, but I'm gonna see if it sounds better from here. So give me a sec. Bear with me. Appreciate that. And um, still only one channel coming through. Process, I don't know why. Right? Where you're authenticating your birth certificate and you're doing this seems really weird. Let me see if I can fix that. But like. I'm playing that, and it's only coming through one channel, uh, the left channel, which is like, I have no idea why it's doing that. Let's see here. Yes, and you're doing that, you're handing in your passport. Yeah. Now, it might be not coming through the stream that way, which would be good, but if I can do anything to prevent that before I start into the clip too much... Maybe it's just where I downloaded it from. Let's see if that's the problem. No, because it's from his site. Like, hmm. What could that be? Why would it just start doing that? What would be the way to get around it? Well, this is the negative side of doing things live. Is like this can either work in production, it's going to go out and be fine, or there's going to be a problem with this clip that irks me because it was only played out one channel and that's the way it comes out. Or I can sit here and keep doing what I'm doing now and you're like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> like he's going to sit here and troubleshoot this live in this episode and right now the answer is yeah i do want this to work it's trying to just look at things here is that the plan what's wrong why is that like that oh man i might have just really messed up some other things let's see okay well we'll play it I'm going to monitor on a different way to see if it is just coming out one channel, because that's not what I want, but we'll see. And uh, I guess I'm just going to get into this clip and see if I can fix it while it's playing. The United States going bankrupt. And so you type it in. To, so I'm going to verify it, right? I, I just heard this grandiose story oh, yeah, about yeah. Uh, the Patriot mythology, and I'm going to go, okay. And what you find is there's no there's no history of the bankruptcy of the United States. Why? Because nation states 
such as the United States, don't declare bankruptcy. Now, you got municipalities, cities, counties, and even states can declare the, the federal sort of corporate structure of that. They can declare bankruptcy. They have municipal bankruptcy chapter, I think, 15 and chapter 9. I can't remember. Um, chapter 11. I can't remember which ones, which chapters that are specifically for municipal bankruptcies, right? I wrote about it. Uh, the Stockton bankruptcy lie where I showed the Kaffir had all this money and they're declaring bankruptcy even though they have all this money, right? So, yes, cities could declare bankruptcy. Washington, D.C. technically um, could, I think, chapter 11, declare I can't remember bankruptcy. which ones. But the government itself as a nation state, and that's a term that, that I'm going to cover in the next uh, video because we really, I don't think most of us understand what a nation state is, um, I certainly didn't until I started down this, this avenue, but there's no bankruptcy. Okay. We have defaulted on our debt as many countries do. Um, in fact, one of the defaults was the start of a war with France, but there's no bankruptcy. Okay. okay, okay, okay. okay. So right there as the foundation of a, of a, of a sort of mythology was the start of a process, right? Where you're authenticating your birth certificate and you're doing this and you're doing that. You're handing in your passport and saying I'm no longer a citizen, but I'm a national. And all these different things. Okay, I might have fixed it. Right. the, The first thing that's mentioned is the bankruptcy, and that is a lie. Okay. And whether it's a good, into, a well-intentioned lie, but like someone like me who had heard the story so many times and then started to repeat it. And that's what I think we're dealing with is we're dealing with a bunch of parrots. I was being a parrot. Uh, how many people parrot, for instance, Alex Jones, right? How many people parrot something without verifying what's being said? I'll give you another example. Let's use Alex Jones as a good example, because, man, how many things have I uncovered with him that, that have been lies? Oh, man. He, 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 him and some newspaper promoted the naked body scanners. This was a long time ago. And I have a thing still up on my blog, although the... Just trying to see that it's fixed. I know it's annoying what I'm doing right now, but I'm just double checking to see that that is not messed up because that seems more important to me let me try as the foundation promoted the naked body okay i'm getting it out of two channels now so i'm going to let this clip continue now links are dead now of course but they actually went to a they showed a picture of, of a quite lovely woman with large breasts and uh and uh you know, they, they said this is a, a, a picture that the naked body scanner, you know, the um, the new body scan, the the ones that have been in the airports for like 10, 10 years now, uh, the full body scanners, the, the backscatter scanners. This is the picture uh, that it's taking to try to convince you that it's taking a, a picture of everybody uh, nude, essentially, that it sees through your clothes and it sees your entire body and takes a picture, right? And they put this picture up. Well, it turns out this picture was from a European obscure modeling website. 
that someone found. And because they did a search for the picture through the Internet, there it was. This model picture that they grabbed used it as a lie to show that there is a scan happening of your of your entire body. Right. So they took a, a, a picture from a modeling agency, probably paid for it. I don't know. And used that in one of their news articles as the picture of an actual woman being scanned and um, violated, basically. Yeah. Yeah. To show that we're all that they're all they're taking pictures of us naked. Basically a fear campaign. Just just the, what, what InfoWars is famous for, essentially. Right. What Alex Jones is famous for. The fear, the fear, the fear. Um complete and utter lie and i wrote i think it's called the naked body <laughs> the naked uh i can't remember something on my blog about it i would have um, called it the naked body scanner scam yeah something like that <laughs> Hoax, i think i used but but i, I just you know and it was i guess the whole world at that time repeated it because i oh. i remember hearing about it and i wasn't even like really look into alex jones or anything like that they, they weren't just repeating it they were using the same picture over and over copy paste copy paste right because that's what people do thinking that they're they're getting legitimate information and that's what i mean by parrots because i thought i was getting legitimate information when i kept hearing the same presentation being said about this redemption process right so okay the bankruptcy of the united states no there is no bankruptcy of the United States. If you hear someone say that, immediately you know that they're coming from a place where they haven't done any actual research, that everything they've learned is from what I call gurus, <laughs> people who uh, who pretend to know what they're 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 talking about, but actually in reality, as as was my case, have no idea whether the information is true or not. This is why I switched my level of thinking and my uh, my research to only primary sources, patents, and, and things that I can verify, things that I can prove, right? I don't ever anymore delve into this. But I did write up a whole thing on this because I'd heard it so many times, and I retracted it. You know, I, not enough people retract their stuff. Um, a lot of this is based, let's take another one that I've covered in depth, which is the Federal Reserve mythos, right? The Federal Reserve is private. The Federal Reserve um, isn't under somehow under the United States or not. You know, it's, it's this the, the creature from Jekyll Island, this all of the mythos around the Federal Reserve, all of it is complete bullshit. Federal Reserve is not private. It is independent big difference if you look up independent um independent agencies of government you'll find the post office you'll find the you know federal reserve you'll find the securities exchange commission and all the different de facto things that they've created to essentially corporations they've created to do things because obviously congress doesn't have time to you know they create something it goes into the executive branch and then that takes care of the money and takes care of the postage and it takes care of this securities and exchange and all these, these many, many, many different corporations. And they all have board of boards of directors. They're all the same, but for some reason, the fed 
it's a great it's a great uh, foundational fallacy to throw out there to say, well, the the Fed is its own thing, and you know it uh, uh, all the tax all the taxpayer money, uh, for instance, is one of the tax protests. All the taxpayer money goes to the Fed. Well, no, actually, it doesn't. <laughs> See, none of this stuff is true. There was no signing of the bill late on Christmas when half the when most of the the legislature wasn't there, as G. Edward Griffin proposed. There was no right because it still had to go through all these different things after that, all these different committees and things. It, the the whole thing that if the people, for instance, if the senators. Congressmen or senators, legislatures were there. All of them were there to vote no. It still would have passed. It but also this, perpetuates this fallacy, like that um, the evil bankers are somehow the problem, and not the, oh, uh, the not the Congress themselves. You know, it. But I wonder too. I haven't looked into his work, but there's also Eustace Mullins, the. Well, writer of yeah, and and uh, Mullins. Unfortunately, they call him a Holocaust denier and anti-Semite on Wikipedia. So maybe he's got something to say that well, want you to know. You know, a, a while ago, um, the one of the Neset members of the Israeli Parliament was on. Oh, I can't remember which news show it was, but I mean, she came out and she said, "Look, this is a trick." We use this in in America. We say you're a you're an anti semite, right? You look up semite; it actually means Arab. Um, they added Jew to it later um, because Jew is not a race. This is what people don't understand. Um, and then in Europe, we say Holocaust denier because once you're on this list, um, I was put on the list. And kicked off the local AM station and blackballed because I supported a movie that was very against the ADL. It was made by an Israeli Jew. And I said the words fake Holocaust museums, which they are in, in, in uh, the, basically this, this movie defamation. They take all of these um, kids from around the world and they send them through these basically indoctrination camps. Um, and and teach them that they are Jews. They're not white. They're not this. They're not that. They're Jews, and that everybody hates them, and that you should hate everybody for hating them. And that's what this guy portrayed. He's an Israeli guy, who who you know a lot of people in in Israel see see right through this too. So you know she comes on and she says, yeah, it's a trick. This is what we use. We label these people and once you're on this list um i mean i've had people tell me i I wrote a recent thing about it um that they can't ex that before accessing my site the thing pops up and says this website promotes intolerance for instance one of the one of the key words right and that you shouldn't go to this website right Uh, nothing on my website (laughs) there's only things you can verify right i know i try to aside from what we're talking about now uh, everything on my website is verifiable right so yeah just for recommending a movie and quoting from the movie um i was i was blackballed and the they called me into the radio station um k talk 6 30 a.m and uh said look um the ADL called the station and 
since you were you're you're the lowest on the totem, you were the guest. We're we're gonna use you as a, basically a sacrifice so that we can keep broadcasting. So they basically, you know, it was horrible. ironic that that's These what the word bad. Holocaust means is the uh, votive for a sacrifice or the offering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got Holocausted. So right, right. In the, in a, in a, I bring this up because uh, I I wonder if this pertains to the redemption mythology, which we still haven't even gotten to the part about how like there's this widespread belief that you can get money out of this. And that's probably what attracts people to it. But with, I don't know for sure, but with Eustace Mullins and then the, uh, the creature from Jekyll Island by G right. Edward Griffin, there could be, cause this does happen uh paralleling well, where he, somebody he, has he good work you. or there's something relevant to the work. And then they, the uh, cult brings somebody else on the scene to basically take their, the, the previous person's work, twist it and make it, way larger like it's coming from them because they've got more exposure on them and then the previous person who had good work is kind of left in the dust and now we've got this paralleler who's the one who's famous and the face of the idea he plagiarized uses bones now you gotta think that the whole banker thing yeah there's a, a serious reality when it comes to banking right but like when we say this is a great great myth as well the bankers right Who's the bankers? Well, who owns the money? Who prints the money? What does the Constitution say? It says only the federal government can print money. So who's the banker? Voila. Government is the only banker there is. Everybody else are members. If you join the Federal Reserve, it's because you're a banking institution. And this is the problem is that people are sending the Federal Reserve stuff and saying, you have an account with my name on it, my birth certificate, and I want to get my $300 million that I'm worth, right? (laughs) And uh, the problem is the Federal Reserve and the Treasury uh, direct accounts are only for banks, They're a different kind of person. (laughs) You're an individual person, whereas banks are corporations, right? So the problem is, you know, the, the United States protects persons, but for the most part, they're commercial entities, right? So banks, corporations, associations, uh, foundations, that kind of thing. Those are all persons in law. And this is something I'm going to cover deeply in the next video so that it's clear that, yeah, I mean, I, I use the example, I think I, it's a long video, but I use the example of robots. Uh, people want to give robots that are smart and self-efficient uh, personhood. And a lot of people argue, well, no, persons are, you know, I have, I'm a person. I'm a person. No, you're not a person. A person is a legal status. Right, so they want to give a person to a robot in case the robot does harm, right? It's the same thing kind of as the secured party creditor. Your person, we use the person, this vessel in commerce to do everything. And then we're bound by the person since the person is property of government. Of course, then the person can be sued. We are the, ser- the agent for service of process on anything that happens to the person. 
It can't be transferred to anybody else. Therefore, we're responsible for any debts, obligations, etc., of the person. So every, all the law applies to the person that we are acting as or acting under. That's your citizenship. That's your, you know, everything. So to attach the person to yourself in any natural way is a, is a huge mistake. And, of course, in legal, they call it a natural person. And that confuses people because, of course, there is no... There's no nothing natural or real in the legal realm. It's all artifice. It's all fake. It's all fiction. So to say natural doesn't mean of nature of God. It means um, proprietary to natural. Like if God creates something, it's natural. If the state creates something, it's natural to the state. Right. But it's not of nature as we use the term. This is why legalese is so confusing because it inverts everything into that matrix, that legal matrix, and where everything you, you know, every noun that you use, every name, every person, place, or thing, in other words, has has been given a name. They have been given a title, a fiction. And that's what we refer to things as. And that's that's where the spirituality has has been just completely taken away because then we believe everything is under this legal law and system so the the problem the the real problem is okay one again who is the bank there's only one bank that's government bankers members of the federal reserve are required to have membership stock in the Federal Reserve. Because of that, and this is what it says in the law, the Federal Reserve actually had to create a fact section uh, to answer questions, to, to say, look, okay, stop blaming us for all this crap, this ridiculous patriot stuff. We are not into, we're not private. We are not um, what you think, right? And to be a member of our bank, you have to be a bank. You have to give us like a million dollars or something, and you have to have membership stock. And the membership stock is non ownership stock. But I can imagine that Eustace Mullins would look at that and say, oh my God, banks all have stock in the Federal Reserve. And therefore, the bankers own the Federal Reserve. I mean, how many times do you hear that, right? That the, that the Federal Reserve is private, owned by bankers, et cetera, et cetera. All of it is untrue. And I've proven it in triplicate beyond any doubt. And yet, people are still making documentaries about the Federal Reserve and the bankers. You, In order to participate and make funny money and you have to be a member. You're required to be a member of the Federal Reserve. If you're not, you can't do the things you do. And the membership stock, again, is non-ownership stock. All it's there for is it's like a membership card, you know, like you're joining a gym and you get certain royalties and benefits for being a member. That's it. It's not ownership. So the banker myth is another thing. Banks can't do anything without the government allowing them to do it. The Federal Reserve can't do anything without the government, the Congress, who created it, right? The creator controls, that is a maxim of law. So who created the Federal Reserve Congress? Who makes the laws for the, for the Federal Reserve Congress? Who created the post office? Who created all these things? Yet they're all independent. 
They all have a board and they all have all these things. And here's the confusion. The confusion is the Federal Reserve and the Post Office and the Securities Exchange Commission and all these different agencies are there because Congress doesn't have time to to manage all these things. So they hire managers. Makes sense, right? What they are allowed to do is make their own rules. Oh, so we confuse rules with laws. And so what will ha- what the uh, here's a great example. Congress passes a law that says the chairman of the Federal Reserve cannot reveal certain things in a public forum. So when Congress then asks the say Ben Bernanke, right? There's a lot of it with him. Oh, Ben Ben Bernanke refused to answer questions because the Federal Reserve is private, doesn't have to answer questions. No. Congress passed a a law that says the Federal Reserve chairman and anybody in the bank cannot answer questions that are state secrets in a private forum. But the Congress then asks these questions. They know that Ben Bernanke is not going to be able to answer or whoever the current Fed chairman is. They know they're not going to be able to answer that question in a public forum. The one that we are actually seeing, because look, even if you go to the Capitol and you're watching from the from the the banister, when they go into private session, you have to leave the building. There's public and there's private. They go into private session, you're not allowed to hear it, right? So. They're asking, you know, anything you see on film, in other words, is is a public place. And the chairman is required by law created by the Congress not to answer Congress's questions. So what do they do? They ask the questions and then they say, see, our hands are tied. We, Congress, can't control the Federal Reserve. It's a it's a scam. They're playing it right in front. of, And we all fall for it. Right. Yeah. Their whole game is manufacturing boogeymen so that you'll blame boogeymen on why your life isn't in order. That's the point. Congress has power over everything it creates. It makes the laws. It can change the laws at any time. Proof of that is Ron Paul's bill to end the Fed. Right. You you can't just do that for Walmart or that. No, they have, they can only end what they create. Right. So, I mean, the whole thing is a giant shenanigan, right? It's just, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's there for propaganda purposes to make people think that Congress is weak and has no power over its own creation. This is completely 100% against the maxims of law, the principles of law. Everything about it is a lie. And when I say then that government is really the only banker, that's what I mean. I mean, government is is the money producer. Banks are allowed to create money when you apply for it, right? Get a loan. They make money out of thin air. You've heard that. Um, But that's because they're members of the Federal Reserve. That's how money is actually created. You can read that in the Federal Reserve reports. God forbid you should actually go to the Federal Reserve website and actually read what it's all about. The other thing is go to the Federal Reserve law, the actual law that created the Federal Reserve and you'll you'll find them half the fallacies about it are are just proven just with the the Federal Reserve Act, right? 
Unbelievable. Now, this, this was all just branching off of the question that is foundational to the redemption mythology of yes. the United States government going bankrupt. And by by definition, bankruptcy is for traders and merchants. So that doesn't fit for the government in the first place. They are the bank to the traders that's, and well, merchants. That's why like you saying. can go you can go bankrupt. Your you your person, I should say, can go bankrupt. And for um for other persons that are not traders or merchants that do not pay their debts or can't, they're called insolvent, which, so it's really like a bankruptcy is a business term, not even for the average personhood, but the, uh, yeah, the obviously though, you know, we don't want to say that we support the existence of a central federal bank or that it's a good thing to have fiat fractional reserve banking currency. It's just that well, we need to get straight like that the the boogeyman is in the mirror for us taking part in these systems and they are going to Babylon will probably exist for whatever we do. The central bank as a boogeyman concept. Yeah, I'm not a supporter of the central bank. Why? Because having a central bank is, <laughs> of course, one of the uh, planks of the Communist Manifesto. Right. Exactly. Of, of which all of which are now law in the United States. You are in communism. You just don't know it. That was uh, one of my notes was something to point out was uh, if we could run through some of those points that yeah. <laughs> the communist manifesto in the I'm, U.S. I'm, law code. This is going to be probably my next book that I'm going to do um, when I get through with all these little projects is uh, is is that whole thing i <laughs> i started making a talk about it and then when i really got into it and started understanding the ins and outs of it that i hadn't looked at before i was like oh my god this is way worse than i ever thought possible um i and again this happens this goes back to the nation state and the, the problem with i mean just so people understand when i say nation state we have the 50 states, we have the outlying possessions, you know, uh, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, those kind of things that are possessions of the United States, a nation state, right? Um, other nation states that we talk about, United Kingdom is a nation state. Uh, the, the Vatican City is a nation state. But then you go to individual countries who have provinces and states and whatever but they are actually a nation state of the, you know, in the United Nations. And so the country itself becomes a nation state. Now, the difference between a state and a nation is that a nation, when, when we became a nation, when I say we, the states, the colonies, whatever, became a nation, it was a spiritual concept. In other words, the nation is not a physicality. It's not an entity. It's not a thing. It's a spiritual mindset that we would call federalism, right? And again, this is all going to be covered in triplicate, but the, the idea behind federalism was to keep the centralization of the government in check, right? So that the states kept their sovereignty. The nation was a compact between the states to protect one another from that very thing. And then what you find is that when the Constitution was was created, um, 
it was the foundation for creating this uh, centralized government nation state after the civil war when the you know i guess the civil war is the first time you really see what a nation state is because the nation state washington dc the federal government the central government attacked the states he says the north versus the south it wasn't the north versus the south it was the united states versus the southern states that said no we will not give up our rights we will not give up our sovereignty we're separating from the spiritual union we're no longer part of this compact to protect one another we're going our separate ways we're starting a new country a new nation of the confederate states and they tried to get that recognized in international law but it never was so you have essentially the nation state is the nation that becomes a state a spiritual concept of nationality that becomes a corporate entity in and of itself, a nation state, a, 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 if you will, a person at law or a, you know, something that is recognized internationally in international commerce. And it's purely a commercial entity. Now, one of the things that is so important to understand, because we're all confused as hell, why does everything seem so unconstitutional? Why does every every action that government takes is against the Constitution? Why is everything uh, that happens to us, it seems like our rights are constantly being violated? Why, 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 why? And in that document, in, in the Red Pill Sunday School thing we're talking about, there was one sentence that says it all. You know, we say free speech, freedom of religion, freedom of this, freedom of this. Well, it says commercial speech is not protected by the Constitution. Constitution protects inherent rights of men. Commercial speech is not of men. Commercial speech is in the legal fiction. Commercial speech is in international commerce. Why are we having problems exercising any rights? Because we're acting as commercial persons, commercial entities that call us individuals. And we are in commerce or considered to be in commerce 24-7. Because we're in person. We're not acting as ourselves. All over the world, you had the same exact thing happen. And this is, uh, this is getting to the, one of the great fallacies that we have in the Patriot Movement is the Republic. Okay? We, uh, the, the story will always be the same bankruptcy of the United States, all these different fallacies. And then they'll get to this. They'll say, well, you know, when Ben, I think it was Ben Franklin, uh, came out of the constitutional convention and some lady said, what kind of government do we have? And Ben Franklin says a Republic, if you can keep it. Yeah. You've heard that before. Oh yeah. Popular right. myth. Well, uh, whether that's a myth or not, the 
idea that's being expressed is that somehow a republic is novel or not you know it, it, that that it's special like a constitution like a, a constitution is special like nobody else has a con everybody else has a constitution we're the only ones that somehow worship it which is part of the mythos part of the propaganda process right because the constitution actually destroys the entire independence of the states that's that's why we should be against it not for it right we had the articles we had these independent states we had a nation we had a compact to protect one of that we had militias to protect against both enemies and a centralized government that would try to you know come in biggest complaint of the colonies was that there was a centralized army of the king right a national army well, that's why we had militias to protect against that. So the militias were then sucked into the, you know, the National Guard and the U.S. Army. So now the nation state, all the militias are, are what would be really good statesmen that would want to protect their people, their families against anything encroaching. were now sucked up into this centralized national military. Right, so where they're pit against the very states they're from, right? I mean, that is that is why the nation state is so bad. The nation state is a state of the United Nations. Think about it this way: all the things that were ceded to the United States after the Civil War, all the public lands. All the things that the United States, this nation state, this corporate structure now has commercial control over. The states gave up their sovereignty to the United States. Now the United States as a nation state is in a position to give up that to someone else. So you have this intermediary where the states are part of the nation. The nation becomes this wicked stepchild and defeats the states. Now the United States starts giving away all the sovereignties that it took in the new, because it forced all the states to come up with new constitutions that supported the United States as its master. And they ceded all the lands and they ceded all this stuff, all these rights. And now the United States is in a position, as with all the world and the nation state that represents every country, every people. Now the nation states, purely a commercial entity, are all together in one big gigantic nation called the United Nations. And they are states. They are subpar. They're, they're not sovereign, right? And they are now giving up all the rights that we gave up because we were a defeated country. Now they're giving up all those rights to the United Nations, accepting international treaties, accepting all these things that completely take away all the things that we worship as what we call our rights, our cherished constitutional rights, our cherished this, this all that stuff is being obliterated on the national level because we allowed our federalism which is states in power to 
become a national government or a central government that takes all those powers away. That's where we are. Now, I didn't fully understand this until I really did this deep dive. And again, I'm going to put this all down in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be gone for a little bit, but then I'll put it down. And, and it's really an amazing story. And it's completely different than the worship of the Constitution and the worship of all these things. And one of those things is the Republic. Now, we're so enthralled with these ideas of the Constitution and the Republic. We're supposed to be a Republic, right? The states are actually supposed to be a Republic. But if you look at the entire structure of all countries, who isn't a Republic? Got the Republic of China, supposedly our enemy. You got the Republic of Russia. You got the Republic of Congo. You got the Republic. Um, you start looking down the list. The only things that aren't republics are monarchies. There is nothing special about a republic. Republic means commonwealth. It doesn't mean anything. If China can be a republic, then we can be China, is the point. If Russia can be a republic, well, we could be just like Russia. All it takes is the nation state to change the laws. And that's essentially what's happening to us. Because all of our power was taken away from the state model, the actual little republics, all of that power is now being all of the sovereignty, the notion of not being able to be. Now we're under the, the international criminal court, the international this, the international that. We're accepting United Nations international treaties and international. One of those is Unidroit, which I'm going to cover. Um, uh, it's very important to understand. I'm going to do a whole history on the uniform uniform law commission part of unidroid is on my list to talk about today yeah. well it's um <sighs> unidroid is the international sort of unification of all laws okay you in america we've had this uniform law commission under various names since the 18 you know i want to say 1860s right after the civil war why did they create the Federal Reserve? Let's just take that as an example. Because there was so much chaos actually happening that something needed to be done to, quote unquote, uniform, make uniform the money, the money system. Because people, the scams and the, the organized crime that was happening, you did need some sort of organization. Now, the central bank, that's... You know, again, we could debate that all you want, but there was a need to reorganize the system because banks were printing money by themselves without any limitations. Um, there was, you know, the fractional reserve system was just a mess. You know, there was a need for organization. And that was, of course, a great way to bring in a central bank, part of the Communist Manifesto. Um, you create a problem, right? Problem, reaction, solution solution you know the problem and now you you bring you come in with your solution well that's what they do on a constant basis and what they've done and what unidroit really is is a commercial contractual uh system 
Uh, one of the what I'll give you an example of something that most people are probably familiar with. When you get your computer, you're all excited, or your phone, right? And you get the end user agreement. What do you do? Oh, you scroll right to the bottom and hit agree without looking at a word. Yeah. If you were to read that, you'd find all the stuff you're giving up, all the rights you're giving up that you're entering into international contract. I don't know if it actually says Unidroid, but one of the big things it says is that you will, you're giving up your right to go to court. You can't sue the company, but you're allowed to go to arbitration. So arbitration was one of the big things that uh, Unidroid promotes is to take you out of the court system, right? And put you into a personal or private arbitration, which has so many problems you wouldn't believe. Um, Unidroid is the International Institute for the Unification of Private Law, just to give that context. That's what they call themselves anyway. So, so in other words, they're taking you out from, uh, from what we consider Right. If someone does me wrong, I sue them. I go to court and I supposedly get a fair trial. Right. All the things that protect you, all the maxims of law that would protect you if you know what you're doing in court. Right. All the good that would be in the court system, which I admit there's not a lot anymore. Um, There's so much corruption, but. It's taking you it's making you in in a commercial situation, in a contractual situation, it's saying you're not a United States citizen. You're not a citizen of any country. You're now in this international stateless place. And this, the idea of statelessness is, is a very, very, it's a very, very bad thing unless you're completely self-sufficient. Um, you know, statelessness, the government warns you, you know, all these people that are giving up their citizenship or think they are, I don't think they actually are. Um, it, it, it warns you, you know, if you do that and you lose your nationality, well, then you're going to be stateless and you're, you're not going to be able to travel. You're not going to do anything. Basically, you're not going to have any privileges or rights or anything. Um, something that, in the right circumstances would be a good thing. Right. But unless you're spiritually prepared for that, yeah, this you're, you're addicted to money. You're addicted to credit and debt and all these different things. You don't want to be stateless, you know, at that point, but what this does is it elevates you in a bad way into an international system of commerce where Unidroid is the founding principles of contract. And again, they put you into arbitration. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I can make this what it is. You're going from a court that has a, a, a specific set of rules that you can follow into an international setting where you choose the country and system you of law you want to be under and choose that if you...
Okay, so we're just coming back really quick here to wrap up this episode. Um, I figured I could give a brief outro on the things that Clint said there. And, you know, I'm not going to go way in depth, but really just wanted to, again, thank you guys for watching today. And if you're re-listening to this in the future, you know, thanks for listening. As you can see, you know, Clint can go into depth on quite a few, many things, and I was mainly interested in getting the parts out there from the Federal Reserve fallacies and sort of the the different take. You know, again, it's not, he's not saying, so, you know, we should be pro-Federal Reserve because of all this. That's not what he's saying at all. Um, just trying to get the levels back right here on the audio because it's a little hot, I think. So, you know, it's, it's good to question things always, and especially when it comes to even in the freedom movements, the patriot movements, the things that we even hear on the other side that are repeated over and over that become like unquestionable mythology need to be questioned as well. Now, understanding every machination of a psychopath's web getting caught and studying the bars on the cage and how many bars there are and what they look like and all the details in the bars isn't exactly what we're promoting spending our time doing either but we do you know at least my goal and mission with sharing that clip was to give some wider context on the subjects we've been talking about today uh, with central banking and then uh, point to that interview that you can go finish up yourself there's a free version and then he has like a rockfin paywall version that I stopped paying for Rockfin a while ago, so I wasn't able to watch that. And then also, you know, make it more interesting so it's not just me presenting information here. We're, we're bringing in pinch hitters. We're, we're bringing in other materials into the stream. And with that, we're going to leave it with an outro song again by Spirit Caravan Brainwashed. And we're just going to leave it there. And again, thank everyone for watching today's show. And we'll catch you on the other side.